Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Amen. All right, you ready for the word? Yeah, Yeah, come on. That's why we meet Psalm 77. Psalm 77. We're in a series uh, we started a couple weeks ago. Pastor Dave kicked it off, did an amazing job, expect the unexpected. And then last week I had a chance to talk about being positioned. And my premise uh, on that and then this morning uh, along the same lines is that sometimes faith is our struggle. It's a struggle. And we are faith people. And we, I think it's because we don't understand faith as it was intended. I, I think man's made faith complicated, almost like a faith formula or almost like a performance kind of thing. And I don't believe that's what God ever intended because I'll be honest with you, I, I find myself in crisis or facing things that I just can't generate the right or enough emotion. I, I don't know about you, but I, I wrestle sometimes with my, my fears and, and my worries and my doubts in the middle of a crisis. And I'm like, how am I supposed to be calm in this and come up with some kind of faith that I'm trying to create or generate to receive something? And I, I don't believe God ever intended it that way. And I'll, I believe it's been taught that way. I do believe it's important for us to understand faith and how we can grow our faith and exercise our faith, and we need to do that for sure. But there are moments when we're believing God for a miracle that just based on the circumstances that you're in, it's really hard to find that place that you can find your uh, faith in the moment of a crisis. Now, last week I talked about, and if you weren't here or you weren't watching last week, go back and listen to it, because I talked about faith can be a position. Faith's not an emotion or a feeling, it can be a position. That no matter what's going on round about me and the emotion associated with it, I can find some principles in the word. We talked about that, to stand my ground no matter what. I don't even feel like standing this ground right now, but I know that I need to stand it. And I believe that God responds to our our obedience and then our position. And so today I wanna talk about really the root, what I believe the root of faith, what what the basis of faith is. And and the truth, I probably should have done this last week and and flipped them around, but here we are today. So I wanna start with Psalm 77. 14. Let me read this scripture for you. Here it simply says this, you are the God who performs miracles. You know what? We probably need to have that one on our refrigerator. We need to have that one on our phone saver or whatever that is. And and we need to remind ourselves every day. And you know what? The the wording on that, you are, that's present tense. You are, you still are. You still are the God who performs miracles. You're a miracle working God. You display your power among the people. God's love is God's power, amen? God's love is God's power. And we wanna make sure that we're reminded of that. Let me read that in the Living Bible translation. It says this, you are the God of miracles and wonders. Miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. I love that, you need to be reminded of that. He still got the power. I know what you're thinking right now, and I'm not gonna sing that. I'm not gonna do that right now, but now it's in your head, so you can thank me later. So he has the power. He is the God of power. He's a powerful God. And so he is still doing miracles today. But let's look at a great story that really helps identify where our challenge is when believing God for our miracle. Perhaps one of our greatest challenges of faith. In fact, I think that, again, faith can be overcomplicated, and I think that today, well, I hope that today my what I want to minister to you is uh, the simplicity of faith, really. And I simply called my message love because I believe, and we'll see this in the scripture, that the basis of all faith is the love of God. Simply the love of God. And the love of God, we know, and we sing about it, it's not based on performance. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. 
So eliminate that from your faith equation. It's not based on what you, what you do. I know faith works work together, right? Our belief and act on what you believe. But, but I wanna talk about just the core of faith and what the core of faith is, I believe, is how much do you believe God loves you? Not how much do you feel you can love God? Because the risk in that then is we're now trying to, trying to performance-based relationship. And you can't do anything else to make God love you more. He loves you the full amount, full capacity of love. He loves you already. And you can't do anything to make him love you less. So God is love, and the basis of our faith is the fact that God loves us. And we need to build and exercise our faith for sure. And there's things that we can do, and we'll talk about that as we move on in the series. But our struggle is not really if we believe God can do miracles or not. I probably would say if we went around the room and I gave her, passed the microphone around the, the, the way, you know, everybody had a chance, um, most of you would never come back. <laughs> give my, don't give me the microphone. But here's what I, we all would say, I believe God can do miracles. I believe he's the God of the impossible. I believe he can do anything. God can do anything. Nothing's too difficult for him. But I wonder what kind of response we'd get if we pass the microphone around and we ask, do you believe he'll do it for you? And can I find out this? I found out in my own life when I'm praying for other people, it seems like I have more faith to pray for somebody else's miracle than to believe for my own. And I don't know why that is. I think there's some reasons we'll look at that a little bit today, but I wanna talk about the core. I'm peeling everything back, all the layers of faith back. What really is it based on? And I believe it's based on how much we believe that God loves us. And you know, after being in ministry, I've been in ministry, I don't know if you know this, for over 29 years. I know, I know what you're thinking. It's like, wow, he didn't even look 29. And, uh, but it's a miracle. And uh, so... And I've been a senior pastor now for 15 years and 30 days, actually, so, but who's counting? And so, uh, 15 years and 30 days. So I, I've seen a lot, I've done a lot in ministry, and I've sat with a lot of people, I mean hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, over the years, and I would come back with this conclusion that the struggle always ends up being, will he do it for me? I mean, I know he can, I know he does. I mean, I know he did it for them, I know he did it for them. I know I did it over here and I heard this one story and I saw at church, I heard this one thing, but will he do it for me? And I've gone to the hospital and I've prayed for people that have been healed and I've gone to the hospital and prayed for people that have gone to heaven. But let me say this, last time I checked, 100% of people in heaven are healed. <laughs> Google it, <laughs> now I'm not sure it's there. But it's true that we know on the word of God, we know it's true. It's funny sometimes when I walk into the hospital rooms, I haven't been able to do that some with COVID, so I walk in the hospital room, people like, they've actually said to me, is it really that bad they had to call you? <laughs> and I want some like, I know, so I'm just here, I brought the prayer bear and flowers, that's all, I just wanna pray for you. I just think that sometimes we just misunderstand the real core and basis of our faith. And I don't understand the who, what, where, when, why, how. Why this person got healed, this person did an instant miracle, progressive miracle, or as you go miracle. I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on any of that. I don't know. I, I don't know why some get healed and the miraculous happens, and I don't know why some don't. I've seen all kinds of results. I don't know, but here's what I know. God is a miracle-working God, and I will always believe the word of God. I'll always stand on the word of God. I'll always exercise my faith. I'll always speak the word. I'll always trust God. 
But we struggle with doubt. We struggle with doubt. So let's deal with doubt this morning. And so now let's turn to Mark 4, 35 through 41. One of my favorite passages of scripture, I love this passage. And actually getting ready for this morning, there's some things that I believe that the Holy Spirit just dropped on my heart. Not like new revelation, but I, maybe I've been emphasizing some of the things, but I, there's another emphasis today I wanna share with you in light of what we're talking about. And let me start Mark 4, 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side leaving the crowd behind after he just had these huge crusades, if you will. And the Bible says everyone that he prayed for got healed. They all received their healing. Let's go to the other side. They went across. They, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He says to his disciples, listen to these two questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have any faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, they were on a mission. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He had a purpose to do that. There was people waiting for their miracle on the other side. A storm came up, and they found themselves in the midst of a crisis. They're facing the storm. It says they woke Jesus up. Can I say this? It's never bad to wake Jesus up. And having said that, if I'm gonna be theologically correct, he's never really sleeping. <laughs> but I think we've put him to sleep. We've put him to bed, right? Sometimes within us. And something in us needs to awaken to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Because he's always there and always working. Especially in a crisis, it's time to wake that which is dormant in you, the power and authority of Jesus in you. And so basically they woke up the power and authority of Jesus, if you will, in their boat. Let's just look at it that way. And they wake, they wake him up and they ask him a question. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? And then Jesus responded the way we hate when people respond this way. They ask him, don't you care if we drown? And he asks him two questions. You don't answer my question with another question? <laughs> no, Jesus, you're missing it. Don't you care if we drown? It's simple, yes or no? And they're like, and Jesus is like this. Well, why are you so afraid? Don't you still have, you still have no faith? Which was genius by Jesus because immediately he identified what was happening in them. And in order for us to walk in our faith, we have to identify the root cause of what's happening and see how then we can overcome that. And so he says, now, why are you so afraid? And what's going on? And, and here's what I take from those two questions. Why are you so afraid? And they're like, seriously, the storm. I mean, you may not know this because you've been asleep, but there's a huge storm going on right now. And that really wasn't even the issue. Now, Jesus is still pressing them. He wants them to identify what's really going on with them. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And really what he says to me is, in the presence of fear, there's an absence of faith. Because in the presence of fear, there's an absence of faith. Do you realize that storms in your life, the one thing they generate or try and generate in you is fear because when you are in fear, you find it hard to have faith. And so there's storms that happen in our life based on what we've done. There's storms that based on what we, other people have done to us, but all of them try and create this fear within us, this expected outcome, or we start thinking about what might happen if, or what would happen. And so what Jesus wants to do is identify where they are with fear, because fear is the biggest enemy to faith. Now, let me say this. I don't believe fear is the opposite of faith, or faith is the opposite of fear. And I know people teach that, and they can do that. That's not my belief, and I'm not saying I'm right, and they're wrong, or they're wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> I said the same thing, but just different way. I don't know if you caught that. Anyway, so. I believe they're mortal enemies. Faith and fear are mortal enemies. But really, what's the opposite of fear? Courage. 
I Googled it. Because <laughs> I was like you, oh, I don't know. Courage, courage is the opposite of fear. You're afraid or you're not afraid, right? And so what's the opposite of faith? Faith is believing, so the opposite is not believing or doubt. Doubt is the opposite of faith. Now, fear and faith are mortal enemies because in the presence of fear is the absence of faith, or in the absence of faith, you are now in doubt. So what did this storm do? It created doubt in them. What did they doubt? Well, go back to their first question, or their question to Jesus. What was their question to Jesus in verse 38? They asked Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? And they just, don't you care? That's enough right there, don't you care? And is that not our struggle? Oh yeah, I know he can do a miracle. I've seen it, I've heard about it. It happens all the time, apparently, and I read about him, he's a miracle-working God, but I just don't know if he's gonna do it for me. What you're really asking, what they're really asking is this, don't you love me? Don't you care about me? Isn't that really our struggle? Now, we, now what happens when, when fear is not handled properly, it, it turns into doubt. And, and it's, I mean, we don't doubt if God can do something. We doubt if God even cares about me. And all of a sudden, now we're asking questions we really had never wrestled with before, maybe. Because when we gave our heart to Jesus, we know that he loved us so much, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How do we know he loved us so much? Because he paid with his son the ultimate price for a relationship with you, even though you didn't deserve it and you could never earn it. His great love said, I love you so much, I'm gonna go ahead and do this. And all of a sudden, a storm comes, which brings fear because of an unexpected outcome. And now all of a sudden, it's not that we don't believe that God can do a miracle, we wonder, does he even care about me anymore? And so when you peel all the layers of faith away, I believe your and my faith is based on how much do we believe that God loves us. But I typically, well, I think typically here's how we respond. We respond, our faith is based on how much we believe we love God. And can I tell you, if you're trying to generate a greater love for God in the middle of your storm, forget about it. Because in the middle of overwhelming circumstances, bad reports, things that happen unexpectedly, we struggle with our ability to even think straight, much less try and generate, if you will, or create or conjure up as if we could, a greater for love for God in the moment. But if we don't deal with fear properly, then it will ultimately lead us to doubt, which is the opposite of faith. And so I think it's important as we look at the story, as they're wrestling with the wrestling with don't you care, they're not even wrestling anymore with the storm or the dynamics or the circumstances surrounding them all of a sudden. And what we have to see happen here is the first thing we need to do when we find ourselves in a crisis is we have to identify where we are with fear. Why am I afraid? And I think sometimes this, and I don't mean this disrespectfully or flippantly, I think sometimes with the context of scripture here and how much we know God loves us, so don't take this wrong. I think sometimes if we understand who we are in Christ and I'm born again and my name's written in the Lamb's book of life and my eternity is in heaven one day, then it seems to me like in the midst of some circumstances and storms that fear can seem to be irrational. Well, why are you afraid? This is what he asked him. And I think even the Apostle Paul expresses it a certain way. He talks about, he, he talks about when he was in prison and, and he thought he was gonna be executed and he, and, and he says, I, I, you know, to die... Is Christ until no, to die is Christ and to live is gain. He's like, I don't know. I, if I die, I go to heaven, but if I live, I live for him. I'm, I'm kind of confused here. And he's like, telling the jailer, he's like, I, if I die, it's a gain. If I, if I live, it's a gain. It's a win win. You decide. 
I can't decide. That's how he kind of thought about fear. It's almost like flip a coin. <laughs> It'd almost be like flip a coin. If it's heads, take mine. <laughs> If it's tails, I'm hightailing out of here, right? I don't know. I don't know. Flip the drachma. I don't know. But so he's like, I remember one time my, I had two daughters and they, they always hate when they use them as illustrations, as you can tell. I don't care. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So I'm not going to use their names, but you got a 50-50 chance of figuring out who it is. I got two. And so one of my children, when they were little, was so afraid of costume characters. I mean, just afraid of costume characters, which in one sense could be a little frustrating. Frustrating. On the other hand, it was wonderful because I didn't have to go spend a ton of money and eat terrible pizza at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. No, I didn't want her to have that rat <laughs> fear. And then I had to spend $50 on tokens to get a $5 prize. That could have bought 10 of them. Right? So I'm have to do that. And so we had a costume around here one day back in the day that actually it was just, I thought it was a little creepy. I think I was afraid of the giant pink gorilla. I don't know if anybody remembers the giant pink gorilla. Who would have a pink gorilla suit and put a grown man in it? I thought, that's, that's creepy, I'm with you. One time she was just so afraid, we thought, we're just gonna end this, we're gonna take her back there and I'm gonna hold her, I'm gonna have the pink gorilla just hold, no, I'm didn't. I wasn't gonna do that. <laughs> I thought about it, but I didn't do that. We took the head off, right? Took the head off and there was a person in there And she was okay when she saw that person. I thought, oh, thank goodness, problem solved, but I'm still not going back to Chuck E. Cheese. And so all of a sudden, we put the head back on and she just freaked out and we could never figure it out. It was an irrational fear. And again, I don't mean that flippantly because I know fear is real. I know there's real things associated with it, but I wonder sometimes if we get to a place that fear is causing us to doubt if God even cares for us, then we are in a lot of trouble. But what we need to do, especially in the time of our fear, is we need to remind ourselves how much he loves us. How much he paid a price to be your Lord and your Savior. What has he done for you out of love that you couldn't do for yourself? That God loves you so much. So the, the, the storm caused him to doubt the love of God. And the question was, do you even care for me? And we need to settle the fact that God loves me. He can't love me anymore today, no matter what I've done. See, and I've, I've been doing this a long time, as I've said, and I've seen and heard it all, and I think I've been faced with so many questions that are really, there aren't answers for. I can't answer them. I can't answer why they, why they got the, I can't answer why you got the diagnosis you did, why you, I don't know, I can't answer that. I can't answer why the person ran the red light. I can't answer why they drove drunk that night on the same road. I can't answer that. I can't answer why you lost your job and somebody else didn't. I can't answer that. I can't answer why this happened or this happened or why they left you or didn't leave you or why your kids are on drugs. I can't answer any of that. I don't know. And there's so many things I can't answer, so many questions. And ultimately it comes down, does he care? And I can answer that question. Yes, he cares. I don't know about anything else. I'm not an expert on those things, but let me tell you this, I'm an expert on the love of God, and God loves you so much so that he gave his son to die for you. I don't know about anything else. And let me say this, we try and wrestle, and, and we need to grow, and we need to educate ourselves and all those things, I, I agree with all that, but you know what, we need, probably need to spend more time looking at how much God loves us instead of the circumstances. Well, if I just do that and I just do this, I just do that. I get it. Do what the doctor tells you to do. I get it. Do what you're supposed to do. I get it. But you know where you should invest the majority of your time? You're reminding yourself through God's word and through worship and praise and through messages and through small groups and through godly relationships and be reminded and hear it and put the, that's my God CD on over and over again and feed your spirit, man. And what you need to do is you need to hear more and more and more of how much God loves me. 
Be an expert on how much God loves you. And then share that with other people, how much God loves them. Because our, our faith is based on the fact of how much do you believe that God loves you? Not how much do you believe that you can love God. And we, we can all love God more. We can all love God more. All of us, all the time, every day, we can love God more. And how much is enough? Is it humanly possible to, is it humanly possible to love him the maximum capacity on the earth? No, because we're human. And we have faults and shortcomings when we get to heaven one day. And we need to grow in our love for God and listen and do the things we just said, but you know what we need to do? We need to settle the fact and read more and learn more on how much God loves me, no matter what I do, no matter what I've done. The more you settle he loves you, the more you read about it, the more you sing about it, the more you hear about it, the more you're in the presence of it, the more you tell other people, the more you feel it, it builds your faith. My faith is built the more I hear about how much God loves me. That builds my faith. And it builds our courage, our courage to face the storm. And the more our courage, the more courage we have, the less fear we have, the less fear we have, the less doubt we have, and the less doubt we have, the more faith we have. I, this old song, I love the old song, kind of into the old hymns and kind of popped in my head. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I'm not gonna sing that one for you either, but all fear is gone. Amen. Because he lives, because he loves. Knowing how much he cares for you is the key to overcoming your fear. And overcoming your fear is the key to faith. Uh, I mean, I did, it's not in your notes, but 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. It says perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Is perfect love possible from an imperfect human? I think not. There's only one place I think then perfect love can come from, and that is the perfect one. And the more you press into the perfect love of the perfect one, it drives out fear. I don't have to combat fear and a sense of more knowledge and understanding. I don't think those are bad things. But how I combat fear is I press into the perfect love of God. And I remind myself how much he loves me, how much he loves me, and it builds my faith. Take a look at Romans 8, 35, 37 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is there any power great enough to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. And all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. You mean him who's the powerful, miracle-working God? Because of his power, we're more than conquerors? No. The powerful God who can do anything and overcome all that stuff because, that, because he's so powerful? No. We're more than conquerors through what? His love, his love is the key to overcoming and power, knowing how much and settling that fact that he loves you. Verse 38, for I am convinced, and that's what we need, that neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. The power, you mean the power of God? Because he's so powerful? No, the love of God. Because the power is because of the love. He shows himself powerful because he loves. So we focus on trying to engage the power of God or trying to find a way to get the power of God to work on our behalf. And if we can do this formula for the power of God to be on display or the power of God to intervene. No, that's not it. If we can understand more how much he loves us, the power is there out of his love. 
to perform the miracle and things that you need in your life. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. That's God's love. If you settle the fact that he loves you no matter what, then wind blow. Waves beat against my boat. Rain fall, all you want. I don't know how I'm gonna make it, but I know he loves me. I don't know when this is gonna be over, but I know he loves me. I don't know, but I know he loves me. So either I'm gonna get to the other side or of my storm here on the earth, or I'm gonna get to the other side of eternity because my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. No matter what, he loves me. I'll leave the outcome up to him. I'll trust him with that. I'm just gonna settle on the fact that he loves me no matter what happens. I think in the story, the, the disciples have her get a bad rap. It seems like Jesus just comes and scolds them, right? What's wrong with you, right? And I think it's interesting because I think it's maybe a little unfair. I, I, don't, I don't believe it that way, but, I, but people that do, I think it's a little unfair on them because they're human just like you and me. And they walk with Jesus and they walk with them and they saw some things before this story. They saw a lot of things happen. They saw healings. They saw Jesus lay hands and it says, and they're all recovered. They all were healed. They, they saw right before the storm, they saw demons being cast out and people being set free from that. They saw a, widow's, a widow woman's son raised from the dead right before the storm was silenced. And I, I think we gotta cut them some slack because they're facing something they've never seen before. They, they saw all those things, but they've never seen like a, a storm, a, a nature storm. And they didn't know what to do because they were only looking at their past experiences. And isn't it true that today we're facing things we've never faced before? And I don't know, am I facing something I've never faced before? I don't know, how am I gonna generate the faith for that? <laughs> and I think again, then we're missing something. I think settling the fact that God loves you no matter what you're experiencing or what may come in the future, you just settle the fact that God loves you no matter what comes my way. Because we're facing things that people in generations before us never faced. My, my grandparents never had to face the coronavirus. <laughs> my grandparents, back in that day, it was, you know, there weren't the issues that we see today. A divorce wasn't an issue like it is today. Dealing with violent kids back in that day was not like it is today. And can I tell you, there's a couple reasons why that happens. I think number one is because we don't spank kids anymore, but that's just me. <laughs> you think that, everyone think that. My dad believed in sparing the rods, boiling child, right? I got, I got my share, but. And I also believe there weren't all the violent video games. There weren't all the violent movies. There weren't all the violent TV shows. There weren't all the violent things happening in today's world. And who knows what the future holds? I, I have no idea. There wasn't all the gun violence. There wasn't the global pandemics that we see today. There's new diseases all the time, right? The coronavirus wasn't heard of, but not before long, the coronavirus wasn't around and that new things are coming. That's a new disease, new things coming out, new Delta variant, and I don't know, is there gonna be a new beta variant, theta variant, gamma, slamma, jamma? I don't know, it's like, I don't know. I don't even know my Greek alphabet, obviously. I, I don't know what's new to come and how I'm gonna deal with that, if you will, the natural, but I know even then God loves me. New disease, it doesn't change, God loves me. New situation, new economy, new administration, doesn't change, God loves me. New culture, new job, doesn't change, God loves me. Does not change, does not change. We live in a fallen, broken world, we're fallen, broken people facing storms we've never faced before. How are we gonna handle that, navigate it? And I'll be honest with you, I'm not an expert, I'm not an expert on that stuff. I'm not an expert on marriage, just ask my wife. I'm not an expert on parenting, ask my kids that I use the sermon illustrations, I'm not. 
I'm not an expert on violence. I'm not an expert on sickness and disease. I'm not an expert on global pandemics and variants. I'm not an expert on political upheaval, racism, bad economies. I'm not an expert on any of those things and never will be, but I can be an expert on how much God loves me. I can be an expert on how much God loves you because he loves you like he loves me. He must love them more because they got a greater miracle. No, maybe they believe that he loves them more than you believe that. I don't know. But he loves everybody the same. He doesn't love one more than the other. I can be an expert on that. The more I believe in my heart, the less fear I'll walk in. He loves me. Don't you care if we drown? It's interesting. It's interesting what it ultimately does, what a storm ultimately does. It challenges through fear our belief of does he care? Because none of us question, can he? And so there's where our fight is. We have to settle that fact. Does he care? John 16, 33. I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace. Peace in the midst of a storm. Peace in the midst of circumstances. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I've done it already. I can do it. I've done it. You need to find me for your peace. Maybe in this scripture, before you can calm the storm around you, you have to calm the storm in you and settle how much God loves you. Here's a quote. An entire ocean of water cannot sink a boat unless it gets on the inside. It's not the water without, it's the water within. So how do we turn our fear into faith? Let me give you two things real quick. Keep the right focus, keep the right focus, keep the right focus. Keeping the right focus is so important. What you focus on, you feed. What you focus on, you feed, it gets bigger. Focus on the storm, you feed your fear. Focus on the source, Jesus, you feed your faith. Focus on the storm, you feed your fear. Focus on the source, you feed your faith. 2 Corinthians 10, three through five says this, for though we live in, a world, in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take thoughts captive to be obedient to Christ. The problem is we're focusing on the worldly things. And that all these thoughts are coming our way that are creating fear in us and leads to doubt. And we're, we're allowing the arguments and pretensions and the, the things of the world and the waves of the world to come in. And we're focusing on that in worldly ways. But the Bible says it's not how we combat that. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves with being taken captive by our thoughts, which is an interesting thought to me because I know Jesus is my Savior and Lord. The enemy cannot take me captive. But I do find myself in bondage from time to time or in captivity. And how is that possible? Well, here's what I believe. If we don't take those thoughts captive in that storm that lead to fear, which lead to doubt, we find ourselves in bondage. If we don't take those thoughts captive, then we place ourselves in a self-imposed captivity. 
If I forget how much he loves me, then I can easily slip into a self-imposed captivity because now I focus on the storms around me and I focus on the worldly way to solve them. But my way out of my self-imposed captivity through fear is to find out again and remind myself how much he loves me. And the moment I come back to that place that God loves me no matter what, I find freedom from the bondage of fear. Quit putting yourself in a self-imposed captivity. The devil cannot take you captive, but your thoughts can. But the Bible says, and you gotta combat that thought. In fact, it goes on to say this in Philippians 4, seven through nine. And the peace, which is what we want, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that doesn't make sense in worldly ways, will guard your hearts. How great is it to have peace guarding? What's guarding your heart? Peace? Guard your heart and guard your mind. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. So now, not only do I have to take thoughts captive, how do I do that? Have you ever like, I'm just not gonna think about that anymore. Well, good luck. Because if you're like me, 10 seconds later, Oh, no, 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 I'm not thinking about that again. Not thinking about that. Not thinking about it. Honey, you know that thing I told you I wasn't going to think about? I'm not thinking about it. Come on, seriously? You have to replace a thought with a thought. So when a storm comes in your life and overwhelms you like the disciples, what it does then, it overwhelms you and you start looking at it and you're feeding it. And all of a sudden now, because of your thoughts that have led to your fear, your fear has led to thoughts. All of a sudden now, you've put yourself, if you don't deal with fear properly, you put yourself in a self-imposed captivity because that's your focus. But then when you start taking thoughts captive, and you know what it said, if you can go back to verse eight for me, it says, think on these things, what's noble, true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus to me. That sounds like the love of the Father to me. So you go from focusing on the fear to focusing on the source who is Jesus. And you take those thoughts captive and you remind yourself of he's good and he's faithful and he's right and he's just and he's noble. It doesn't matter what's happening around here. He's excellent, he's praiseworthy. I can praise him in the midst of my storm. And you come out of then that bondage of fear and doubt and that self-imposed captivity and you find yourself in a place of freedom where you can stand up and say, peace be still to the storm. No matter what happens, God is with me. I love that about God. Second thing I wanna say as I close, keep the right focus was first and keep the right friends is second. That's a big one. Keep the right friends. Matthew 8, 18 through 22 says this. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. We got a mission, let's go boys. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, a teacher of the law, I teach this law. But man, you're saying things I've never heard. I teach the law, I've taught it my whole life, I love it. But man, things are happening I've never seen before. I wanna go with you, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He's like, I don't think you understand the commitment here. I mean, it's great to say it and talk about it. It's another thing to live it. Can I tell you, people you need in your boat, they're people that are committed to the cause of Christ. We're running and gunning with so many people that are wishy-washy in their walk, or maybe not even Christians. Listen, in the midst of a storm, you need committed people in your boat. Committed to what? To God and the love of God. They're experts on the love of God. You need to look at who's in your boat. 
Some you can keep, and some need to walk the plank, probably, to be honest with you. Throw them overboard. Because in a storm, you want the committed in your boat. See, here's the thing about that, the committed in my boat. Here's what I understand it to be. Like, I'm not an expert on marriage, but I don't need an expert of marriage in my boat when times get tough. I don't. Because sometimes in your boat, if you don't have the committed in your boat, but let me say it this way, let me say it this way. Sometimes people will say, you know, I don't know how you put up with her. I don't know how you're still with that bum. But you know, you know, people, people will be in your boat and say, I don't know the answer to all this, but I know God loves you and I know God loves your marriage, so there's a way out. I don't need an expert in my boat. I need to know that God loves me and God loves my spouse and God loves my marriage. I don't need an expert in my boat on finances that can tell me how do I need to invest and do all this and when I'm struggling right there. I don't need that. I need, I need people that are committed to the cause of Christ in my boat. I don't know, Don, but I know God loves you. And I know that he says, if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse, it doesn't make sense. But if you'll do it, God will show himself strong on your behalf. He'll open the windows of heaven and pour forth a blessing you cannot contain. He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake and your fruit will not fall from the vine before it's time. I need the committed in my boat. And then he goes on to say this, finishing out. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. We don't need people of convenience in our boat. Let's go back to the commitment. We can use the same word for both. We need to look at who's in our boat because who's in your boat will help determine your response in the midst of a storm. Who are you running with? That's why small groups are so huge. You build relationships with committed. That's why serving is so huge because you build relationships with those that are committed. You need to have the committed and you need to have, let me say this about the second one, let the dead bury the dead. You need to have people in your boat that have the right priority. I don't know, Don, but I know you're having trouble right here, but the way I see it is, I know everything in you wants to hold on to your finances, but the way I see it is God is the priority. If you give, he'll take care of you. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but if you put God first, the Bible says, if you give your kids to God, well, I'm trying, you know, if you give your kids to God, you know, God intervenes. Priority. You need to commit it in your boat and you need people with the right priority. And that'll help you. You'll want that in the storm that you find yourself in. Before you calm the storm out, before the storm is calmed outside, you gotta calm the storm inside. I just wanna encourage you this morning, your faith is not based on how much you can make yourself or generate or create a love of God for, it's based on how much God loves you and what he's already done. And so if we can just start there. So here's what I wanna do as we close. If you'll stand to your feet, I just wanna take a moment this morning just to create them all. we know to do is create an environment. The rest is up to you. You do whatever you wanna do. Whatever you put into it, let me say it this way, you'll get out of it. But the reality is a lot of us are facing miracles today in our life. We're facing the need for a miracle in our life. And I don't know where you're at with how much God loves you or if you don't feel like he cares or where he's at in the middle of my storm. I don't know, we're all probably all over the place on that. But here's what we can all do this morning. We can just reaffirm, maybe remind ourselves of the fact that God loves me. And I think it is so powerful when it comes out of my, from my heart to my mouth up to God. So let's take a few moments and do that this morning.
You believe he loves you today? He loves you so much. You know, I asked him, I asked him this morning to sing that kids song. I don't know, learn it in kids' church. And I think the important thing about that was maybe, just maybe, we need to go back to that place of childlike faith. You know what's so powerful about childlike faith? They don't have all the things of the world that have influenced them and infiltrated their mind. They're not wrestling with all the, the storms or the baggage or, or the hurts or the experiences. They're, they just know that God is good and he loves them. And if they know that and will hold on to that as they grow up, then they can overcome any storm in their life. But I also felt it was so important for you to hear you sing it out of your own mouth. Hopefully loud enough so your ears heard it and it dropped in into your heart. Yes, Jesus loves you. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.